0: Welcome to the Master Passive Income Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J O B that just over broke job by investing in real estate so you never ever have to work a job again. Today, I'm gonna bring on an expert who knows how to do syndications. That is where you buy multifamily, that would be 50, 60, 70 unit apartment complexes and bigger and get other people to invest with you. And he is gonna show us exactly how we can be real estate syndication experts as well. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's up, guys? Super blessed to have you here on the Master Passive Income Show with me. Now, last week, you remember I was talking about my real estate one-on-one coaching, and I got so many students that I literally need to stop uh, doing the one-on-one coaching. But I do have my Real Estate Wealth Builders group coaching that is just open for everybody to join in, so I love doing that as well. So just wanted to let you know that that worked out really, really well. I got so many students, and It's awesome seeing my students succeed. And you know what? When I bought my first property, I was amazingly excited. Then when I quit my job, I was even more excited. And now I have my students doing that as well. So I'm super blessed. And so everybody who signed up, I really appreciate you for signing up for the real estate one on one coaching. It's just amazing. Plus the real estate wealth builders too. It's just amazing being able to help so many people. And if you have heard my goal in life now is to get 1 million people to invest in real So, hopefully, that's you. And actually, if you haven't even done, you know, got started or anything, I'll give you my real estate investing course literally for free. Text the word rental, R E N T A L, to 33777. Rental to 33777. And I'll literally give it to you. Just get started. I want to see everybody invest and that's my goal like i said to get 1 million people to invest in real estate and with that i'm bringing on an expert in real estate syndication I, I mean i love rental properties but there are people that invest in land in multifamily. there are so many different ways to invest in real estate and today i'm bringing on an expert who's going to show us about syndication You it was super amazing most of us get the first experience about real estate in a game that we played when we were kids. You know, when we we're younger, we play it with our parents, and most of us have. If you haven't, you should pick it up because this is the game that really gets all of us realizing investing is the way to go. Buying land is the way to go, then buying houses, and then chinning those houses into hotels is the greatest way to build wealth. And that game is called Monopoly. And if you have never played Monopoly, you definitely should go buy it, learn how to play it, and play it. If you have kids, Now buy it and play it with them so that they can see how amazing real estate is. What you do is you start out and you buy land. Then you put one house on it and you start collecting rent or you can even collect a tiny bit of rent when you have land. And then when one of your opponents lands on it, you make rent, then you buy a house. And if anybody lands on that, they pay you rent for staying the night there. Then you build more houses, you make more money in rent. Eventually you move up to hotels. Eventually you move up to multifamily. That is where we get more people in one building and we get them to rent it out. So we have the ability to go through the purchase of one property, but have many, many doors, many places that somebody can actually rent and give us money. See, when you buy, and I personally, like my bread and butter is residential Homes that be four units and below. I love four units and below. It's a bread and butter. It's so easy. In fact, I buy them all myself. I don't have any partners. I don't have any uh, investors with me, like literally, other than my wife, obviously, but it's all ours. So we don't have to answer to anybody. We don't have like all the profits ours. Now, with that, we have extra money. We're blessed because our businesses make so much money. Now we can invest in multifamily. Now, that's the thing about monopoly. You get more and more wealthy with the more land that you own. And then you get more and more wealthy as you buy more houses. And then you get even more wealthy as you move into multifamily. And that is what our expert's gonna be talking about today. He says that anybody can actually do real estate syndications, That's obviously, like I said, get multifamily, big apartment complexes and have other people invest in them. And he's gonna show us how we can do it as well. Now, let me bring on my expert, Michael Blanc, to the show. He's gonna show us how we can be real estate syndication experts. All right, here we go. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing great, Dustin. Thanks for having me. It's fantastic having you on a show. You were on, sorry, I was on your show. It's a fantastic show as well. Talking both, like I talk about residential, you know, four years below. I love talking about multifamily too. So let's a little talk about, How you got started into investing? Because we know we don't all just jump right into it because we have to get the guts to do it and all that sort of stuff. But what got you in to do on multifamily?
1: Oh, I was born a real estate investor, Justin. You weren't?
0: No, No, I'm just kidding.
1: I'm just kidding. I'm just (laughs) very few people who are. No, I mean, look, I have a pretty traditional track. I was was taught to go to school, get good grades, get a good job with benefits. And that's what I did. And uh, I'm kind of an analytical guy. So I got into computers and I got a computer programming job. And then in the late 90s, I got into a software startup and it went public in 2000 and put a bunch of money in my pocket, which was awesome. And then in 2004, I read that awful purple book and it subsequently ruined my life because I took the uh, IPO millions and my idea of a cash flow business was restaurants because I was surrounded by a bunch of people who had done that with a very successful franchise that's still around. So I was like, I can do the same thing. It was a different one. and it was not so successful. The recession basically changed everything. And I'll make a very long story very short. I subsequently lost all my IPO millions in the great restaurant experiment, experiment as I was trying to chase financial freedom. While this was going on, when I quit my job in 2005, I you know I flipped the house, I learned how to trade stocks and options. I took an apartment boot camp, I negotiated some short sales. You know, and so I basically did everything, and when the crap was hitting the, the the fan, you know, and I was this close to going back getting a job, and in 2009, 10, right after the recession, and I went back, I went back to flipping houses because I did it a couple times, It was pretty cool. I flipped houses, but I had already deployed my capital in the restaurants, and they started to lose money. Subsequently, lost a lot of money. I almost lost my house because of it. But I started flipping houses as a way to make money. So I started raising money, you know, 12% interest, whatever, six-month balloon. And we were about buying and selling, you know, two, two a month. So we're doing like 36 in like two and a half years. So I'm working like 80 hours a week, right? I'm, I'm like flipping houses, making money, and then losing the money in the restaurant business while I'm running six <laughs> restaurants at the time. It was awful when you neither have time nor money. It was uh, it was pretty it's pretty awful. And I finally got out of the restaurant stuff, selling it for literally pennies on the dollar and then kind of sort of accidentally got into an apartment building in 2011. And that was a nightmare in itself. Uh, and it finally stabilized. And I lost interest because it's not very interesting. It's super boring. Flipping houses is much more interesting. And at one point I woke up and I went, man, I, I'm working my tail off with these house flips. And, and by the way, when I sell one, I don't make there's no passive income. Meanwhile, this apartment building is sending me like fifteen hundred bucks a month not very exciting, but you know, I'm an idiot. I really need to do more of that and less of this. And that's when I started to pivot and everything kind of changed
0: for me then. Flipping is definitely exciting, but it's not investing in my opinion. I mean, you're investing your money for a little bit, but I like investing my money for a long time where it makes me money over and over. And in creating generational wealth, where I can literally give everything to my kids. Like you can't give your job to your kids. Uh, that's literally impossible to do that. But any businesses you create, you can give it to your kids. Any real estate you buy, you can give it to your kids. If you flip a house, then that's one and done. So you jumped into, you got your first multifamily, but I want to jump into how do we actually do multifamily? Because I, I love hearing your, your message that, hey, if you're going to buy one house to have as a rental property, might as well make it an apartment complex. I like, might as well make it a multifamily. Like it's it's not a ton more work, but you can't, I, as me mostly um, was scared to do multifamily just because it's so much bigger, so many more zeros at the end of all the numbers and all that sort of stuff. And how do we manage it? Whereas single family homes, very simple, very, seems very, very easy. So I love the message that you can jump right into it. So talk to us a little bit about how as you know, somebody that's starting out, is that even possible that we can jump into multifamily right away?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the most important thing is that you get into the real estate investing game. <clears throat> Whether you flip a house wholesale or you do the bird method or you get an apartment at the end of the day, it matters that you get into the real estate. What I can tell you is, you know, if something is working for you, don't necessarily throw the baby out with the bathwater and go, Oh, I got this new shiny object called apartment buildings and stop doing what you're doing in a single-family houses. But there are people, and this is what we do teach and we've observed is that it's not a required step. In other words, you don't have to start with single family houses if you want to get into apartments. And the key reason for that is that you're using other people's money. Now, I used other people's money in the house flipping days. And the only thing I needed to do was instead of selling in six months, I would then hold on to it and refinance and do the same thing again. So you're still using other people's money. And the other difference is is a matter of scale. So when you're, when you're let's say you're building a portfolio of rental houses, you will do one house and then you do another house, another house, you're growing in one, one unit increments. What happens with apartments, even if you start, let's say, with a duplex, which is just a house with two doors in it, same thing. Well, the mindset is slightly different because what happens when you buy a, a duplex, through the, what I call the law of the first deal, you're, the second deal after that will not be a duplex because like you said, it's it's no more work to buy a five unit than it is a two unit. And frankly, to a 10 unit. So what happens is if someone starts with a duplex, and I'm like, oh, I can't wrap my head around anything bigger. It scares me. You know, okay, well then do a duplex, right? House hack it, get, you know, whatever. So they do a duplex and they go, oh my gosh, that was kind of scary, but not as scary as I thought. I'm going to do it again. But you know what? It's the same amount of work to do a 10 unit as I just need a little bit of extra money, but I already raised, I got, you know, a hundred thousand from two investors. Well, I just need to get another two or three of them. Now I got a little bit of a track record. So what happens is you start attracting more capital and track record becomes a snowball effect. As your comfort zone expands, you naturally start to do larger deals. So what happens is the progression with multifamily is you do 2, 10, 25, 50 plus, right? Because of this phenomenon I'm talking about right now. And so you're doing the same amount of work. But the result is markedly different than when you're building, for example, a single family house portfolio.
0: I always, whenever I'm either teaching or doing it myself, I look at building the business, making sure that we have people running it for us. Now, the, a big concern that I have is once you start getting to the, you know, I'd say more than 10, 15, 20, like economies of scale, like you have to have maybe sometimes even an on-site manager because you have so many more you know, units and stuff like that. Talk to us about managing something like this. Cause that's the first thing, like deals are all over the place. We can find deals. That's not the biggest concern. In fact, what's sad is most people think that's the biggest thing. Oh, we got to find deals or find money. That's in my opinion, those will come. If you have it's a good management. deal, mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's management. That's how, how are you going to yeah. make sure it's on a day-to-day basis? So how do we go about that piece? <clears throat> the complexity, right? The
1: complexity is not a number of doors. It's, it's a number of unique properties for oddly enough, right? So it's, you see it on the houses, but you also see it on the apartment building. So in other words, it doesn't it doesn't require any more work to, do, to manage a 10 unit or a 40 or 50 unit. It's the same thing. It's a property manager running it and it doesn't take you any more time. You have the same, same conversation, looking at the same reports. Right? And so the the different the difference so therefore you you you, you achieve some complexity around the 5 or 10 properties like you said. When you're building a portfolio like after 10 you're like, "God darn it, I need I need some people. Like I need someone to manage the manager." With multifamily you don't have that step. Uh, as much because when you buy an apartment building uh, of almost any size, certainly larger than say 10 units, you almost always have a professional manager there, right? Built into the business model. It's not an unnatural act where you need to self manage or you need to hire an expensive property manager and you're paying them 10% of income. It's already built into the business model. It's, everybody understands it, it's done. So when you buy a building, you, you just interview, interview the best property manager and you put them in place. Okay, so now you're getting them on, on, up to speed and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then you do it again and you put either the same property manager or a different property, and now you have us two uh, properties professionally managed. And you can do that for probably you know three to five range uh, or maybe around five, right? At that point, the, because of the number of properties, not the units, the complexity does go up. But now the difference is you don't have three to five houses. You have 100 to 200 units. <laughs> Your scale is so different. You have, you've had so many acquisition fees come in. You've had so many asset management fees come in. That you hiring uh, literally a full time employee or even two becomes a reality. When you got three to five houses, you don't have the cash flow coming in, and so you're you're constantly you, you have to you, your option really is to self manage and to kind of bootstrap yourself. So in other words, scale solves a lot of those startup problems.
0: It's really interesting. I have a friend of mine; she does syndication as well. And what she, I mean, she started in 2019. And now, like it's grown even just from 2019, it's 2022 when we're recording this. And her, her business has gotten so much bigger because, you, like you said, like the economies of scale, you have so much more money coming in that you obviously, if you want to do a lot of work, you can, but it's better if you hire more people. And I'm looking at all the employees that she has working for. Her, I'm like, wow, this is a fantastic business you got there. So, the managing piece, you definitely can build that in. The biggest thing that people are going to be, Concerned about is all the zeros on the end of every yeah, single transaction. Right. That talk to us about that. I mean, buying the property, but then also managing. I mean, financing is totally different. You get commercial loans and all that sort of stuff. Talk to us about all the money issues.
1: There's two issues with money. One is how to raise the money for the for the equity, right? So this is from private investors. And then you want how do I how do I f- qualify for financing when I don't have the net worth or let's say my credit sucks? Let's talk about the
0: the lending first. And hey, guys, get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word RENTAL, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777, RENTAL to 33777, and I'll give you, literally give you my real estate investing course showing you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first, how to scale the business, buy the right properties, making $250 or more every single month in passive income. I'll literally just give it to you. You can get started investing right away. Text the word RENTAL to 33777.
1: So typically for commercial properties, uh, the lender looks at the property. The weighting is more on the, on the property, not on the individual. Now, having said that, the, you, can't have a, you can't have any money and bad credit and qualify for a $2 million loan. That doesn't happen either. But you can overcome that. Uh, first of all, buying a good property, number one, that's the bigger weight. But you can also partner with people. And the main difference, and I n- never understood this in a single family house uh, business, is that in the multifamily syndication, you're almost always partnering. Almost always. You're 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 partnering with other partners in the business itself, either someone to manage it or raise capital or or whatever, or to, for example, guarantee a loan. So in this particular case, you partner with a high net worth individual who may or may not even invest in the deal. Hey, they just like you. And through your networking, you hey this is a guy who's got a net worth and they'll co-sign on a loan. In return, they will get a sliver of equity. There's really no risk, it's a non-recourse loan. You don't have to personally guarantee it. Uh, the default probability is super low with multifamily. So the person's not really taking on a big risk. There's actually people out there who are super—they're wealthy. All they do is co sign loans all day. They, they sign like, you know, if you get 5% equity every single time, right, you, you, you co sign like 10 loans, you get like 50% of an entire deal. All you're doing is signing on something, and your exposure is super low. So this is a very simple way to overcome that uh, in, in a, in a financing.
0: Oh, those people. Cause I know easily. I mean, I reason why I'm coming up with this, cause this is what people are going to ask. It seems like it's hard to find those people. And I have my answer, but how do you find those people that are potentially willing to partner with you on something like that? So
1: this is the second question, uh, you know, is, is it or the equity, right? The other one is, okay, I get, I get the financing. Okay. I got that. And I, let's say I get a partner and they co-sign on. Okay, great. What about the other, right? Let's say I want to buy a million dollar building. How do I raise a quarter million dollars? You know, I got like maybe ten thousand, right? And maybe I can borrow some from my IRA. I can scrape some. But how do I raise a quarter million dollars? And it's all really through one-on-one relationships with people, starting with the people you already know. Now, some people might be listening. You know, listening to this, going, "Yeah, but I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask my friends and family to invest with me because because I might lose their money and they won't like me anymore." All right? Well, first of all, you shouldn't be taking anyone's money uh, if you're gonna lose it. So therefore, you know, you're not gonna get in this game without a little bit of education, right? So you know, kind of what you're what you're doing. I mean, the good news is you're already getting into an asset class that is that is a low is as a low risk asset class, which is evidenced by the fact that you can still get banks to loan you money at four and a half percent. they wouldn't loan it to you. if you're if you're starting a nightclub, you're probably paying like 20% because maybe the banks think the risk is higher. Well, okay. Well, apartments are giving you a four and a half percent loan, which means that the risk is low. So you're already getting into asset class where the risk is low. Okay. That's great. But you're also gonna do other things. You're going to get maybe a mentor or an advisor or, or some, something of the sort. You're going to educate yourself a little bit um, so that the probability of you losing money is, is relatively low. You're going to learn how to underwrite deals and analyze deals and put in margins of error. Okay, fine. All that. The point is this, you know, people, the second thing is when people think that they're, you know, basically begging people for money, like it's some kind of handout or something, You know, and and the truth is, raising money is not, is neither of those things. It's not begging, it's not manipulating, it's not like going to some sales course where you can, you know, mess with someone's mind. It's a very simple matter. It's a matter of sharing your enthusiasm with people who have money because their only option right now is to invest in the stock market. Now, we all know what's been happening with the stock market lately. It's a wild gyration, right? Well, if I have a 20 year time horizon, you know, I might be happy as a clam, but if I'm about to retire, I need money, you know, for my kids and I just have a 15% correction. That's going to put. That's going to create a problem for me. Therefore, stock market investors are frustrated by the volatility, unpredictability of the stock market because timing is important. Number one, number two, they don't get stock, they don't get cash flow from the stock market. So if I invest in the stock market, I can't exit my law practice or my medical practice unless I, I invest so much that I can live off the the principal and the proceeds, which very few Americans can. Right, the average American at age sixty five has one hundred fifty thousand dollars saved. Okay. You can't live off that for the rest of your, your, no. your life. Okay, so that doesn't work. And then the third thing that frustrates them is every time they sell something, they, every time they have a gain, they have to pay taxes on it and commissions. And so it's like, hey, how's the stock market treating you? Oh, man. Well, I got something. I'm really excited about this new asset class. It's amazing. Uh, the returns are actually are, are very, very consistent. They're actually higher than the stock market. They generate quarterly cash flow, and you don't pay hardly any taxes on it. And they're like, is that is it legal? Does it? Is it, what, what is it, right? <laughs> and now the door's open. And so what I'm, what I'm saying, the only reason is that you don't think right now that you know people with money and that may be the case, okay? And that's, that's fine. You may not know people with money, but you still have to work with people that you know, meaning that people you you know, whether they have money or not, they they will know other people just in general. And at one point, if you continue getting referrals from people, you will get the people with money because someone always, even if you're a janitor, okay? You're gonna have a boss and a boss's boss, Okay. Everyone is going to know someone else. Just keep following the trail and sharing the enthusiasm. And, and that's how you, and you get better at it as well. And then a magical thing happens when you find someone who says, man, I'm really interested to tell me more. You're like, yeah, really? Right? And then someone says, you know, if you find a deal like you just talked about, you know, I'd be interested for in $50,000 in this. And just, it's like, it just gives you so much confidence. So it's, it's a lot of uh, mystery involved in it. Right? And so this is why. I'm kind of on a mission to open up the box and let people look inside and go, "Oh my gosh, it's not not quite as scary as I think right now.
0: It's so much more possible as you're networking and as you really just telling more people about it. Just like if you're if you lay tile for a living and you don't tell anybody about it, you're not going to be laying tile because nobody knows about it. But if you're telling people, oh yeah, I lay tile and here's work that I've done. Oh, wow, you've done that in the past. Well, let me have you. So it's just getting that word out there over and over again. Like you're saying, everybody needs to hear that the financing is not the hard part. In fact, it's it's once you have a good deal, that is going to be the easiest part because somebody that has money, they're like, hey, I see that being a good value. I'm going to jump at it. Now, I do want to jump into talking about how do we Find the deals, but before that, because I always, whenever I get into a business, I always look at exit strategies. What am I what, like? What's the end goal with this? Now, with single-family homes or four units and below, I love not having any partners, and I love getting cash flow literally month after month for years, and then be able to give it to my kids. Usually, what I've seen with syndications or multifamily investing, they want to do value add, and then five years they want to exit it, pull the money back out, and then go into the next one, which is a great, great option. What are your thoughts about long-term? Like, do you ever hold on to properties for let's say 10, 15, 20, 30 years? Or is it always trying to get out into the next better one?
1: So that's a very interesting question. And the reason it's interesting is because we're asking ourselves the same, the same question. I mean, typically these are five-year, five to seven-year holds uh, because that's kind of when the investor says, you know what, that's long enough. To hold, you're holding on to my money. I probably kind of want it back. Okay. So otherwise you would, you would presumably hold it forever. The, the model that we like is kind of the hybrid where you do a value add. So you go in there and you fix it up, you raise the rents and you, you do a cash out refinance and you return, let's say 75% of the investor's capital within two to three years. Investors are happy and now I can hold it in perpetuity and refinance every five years, pull out some cash, make a distribution and hold it forever. That's kind of the model. But what's happened over the last 18 months is thanks to inflation, which I love, <laughs> the rents have gone so up so up, have gone up oh, so yeah, much yeah. in our portfolios that we're getting valuations that within 12 months that we're projecting 5 years from now and so at that point you're like gosh how am i best serving my my investors is it best served by selling it you know and, and making do a huge return and then rolling into another deal or or holding on to it because because the value of time, the longer I hold on to something, the actual return over time goes down. So the longer I hold on to something, the return actually goes down. And so this is a little bit of a, of a quandary there. And, and the way I think it about it right now, it depends on where you are in your business. If you have access to deals and deal flow, the velocity of money is a powerful thing. Because if every year I can generate a 25% return or higher on your money by selling everything 18 months later because the environment went, I might do that because of, this, of, the, of the economy and maybe the state of my business because I have deal flow. And now we can tax defer people from one deal to another. They, they don't pay any taxes and they, they go in and again. And so that's kind of the environment we're in a little bit right now. Um, but that's not my ideal scenario of passive income. It's, it's, yeah, but on the other hand, let's, let's say there's a recession coming and I can't refinance and I wanted to refinance or sell in five years. And I can't. Well, you know what? I might have to wait another two years. So now I'm holding it on longer. So I think you have to be a little
0: flexible with what's going on in the market. You know, if you get locked in on one thing, cause a lot of my students, they ask, you know, should I do this, this or this? And it's always, or I'm like, it's, it. every deal is different. Every situations, every investor is different. So you have to be able to have a lot of tools in your tool belt to be able to fit into a specific situation. Now finding deals, I mean, LoopNet is a great website, but there are there other ways to find really really good multifamily deals?
1: Yeah, they say LoopNet is where deals go to die, and that is partially true. <laughs> what, what LoopNet is really good for is finding the brokers. The key to finding deals is brokers. Like back in the house flipping days, we would find deals on the MLS, right? So that's the realtors, um, you know, making offers, and we kind of create automations and all that crap. But in multifamily, it's the brokers. And and the cool thing about brokers, I don't need. 10 brokers. I need like two, one or two. And so all you got to do is really build a relationship with one or two brokers. And you have to kiss some frogs to to get to the one that 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 you like and whatever. But the point is invest in relationships with your brokers, right? Do things like be responsive. When they send you something within 24 hours, respond back to them with the feedback. And you'd be amazed how many people don't do that, right? Uh, you know, hop in a plane, maybe before you put someone in a contract, build, you know, tour some properties, take them out to a nice dinner. You know, most people aren't prepared to hop on a plane and meet with you. That's, that's unusual. So you do all these things and, uh, you know, build a team around you. You have an advisor, maybe that's working with you. When you see that, they can see you're a serious person, right? And they're going to take you seriously because they want to work with serious people who can close. And so when you behave in a certain way, they will start taking you seriously. And it doesn't take years to do this. It might take two or three months, honestly. It's like a 90-day thing if you really invest in a relationship. And then what happens is you get access to off-market or semi off market deals. And that's where these brokers, they're lazy, I mean, efficient. And so when they get a listing, <laughs> you know, it takes them like three, four weeks to put out this marketing package, a lot of work. And so what they do is they, they give like the top five buyers, if they know exactly what they're serious and they know what they're looking for, they'll give them a heads up. Hey, I'm working on so-and-so right now. The whisper price is whatever 2.5 million. You know, if you come on offers around there, wink wink, you know, maybe I don't have to go through this rigor more. And so that's kind of a or it might do this for two or three buyers. So instead of them going out and you have 50 buyers, now you're only competing with a handful. That's kind of a semi-off-market deal. And that's where the real magic happens. And a lot of the activity happens in that, in that way, but it all boils down to relationships with brokers. That is your key to deal
0: flow. Now, talk to me about where. Is a good place to invest. I mean, is there are there better areas of the country, better states, even cities?
1: Yeah, and, and the surprising thing is, it it may not be in your backyard. I mean, typically, you know, you build up rental portfolios if you're active in your backyard, or if you're more passive, you have turnkeys in Memphis, let's say, uh, with multifamily. And this is really due to the nature of the, the scale you can achieve. You really want to go to where the market is best. And you're looking for markets that are um, that are growing. And that have a probability of return of cash flow. Let's say so. For example, L A uh, may or may not be growing at, at the time, right? Let's say it is, which probably at this point it probably is L A. But you're not going to get a property of cash flows anymore. You would it would be an appreciation play, which I don't like. I like to control my appreciation. And so L A would not be a great market to live. So if you're living in the Bay Area, L A, or New York, or Boston, let's say you know investing in your backyard may not be a good idea because you probably can't achieve the returns. Now, if you drive an hour or two away into a secondary market, you might find deals like that. But typically you wanna go into areas that are growing, which is gonna be in the South, right? Everybody's moving South where it's where it's warmer, right? So Texas, you know, Huntsville, Atlanta, uh, Charlotte, everyone's moving South because the weather is nicer, the cost of living is lower and the quality of life is actually higher and people are like word spreading and they don't have to come into the office anymore. So everyone's moving south. So therefore, the populations in some of these northern states are are decreasing, which, of course, puts downward pressure on rents versus places like Huntsville and Atlanta. uh, Rents are going up because there's a massive housing shortage. You can't build any more affordable housing. So rents are going up. And so, you know, get into a scenario like that. uh, And that really, you know, covers up a lot of sins when you get into and let's say you screw up a deal for some reason. Well, rising rents will fix a lot of problems, right? So, versus if you're in if you're in a market where rents are flat and you screw up, well, it's one less margin for error. So, you really want to. And the good news is, there's a lot of markets that are good. I mean, there's like 50 markets that are good, and there's not like a top three or five. It's like 50. The biggest problem for you is which one are you going to pick? And 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 you can almost throw a dart at it a little bit as long as the metrics are, are right. You have growing demographics. You know, um, uh, people people are coming to the area. Incomes are rising. You know, that, and there's so many of those. You know, and just at that point, where do you want to go? You know, do you, do you, did you go to college here? Do you have friends there? Did you, do you have family there? I just like it where it's sunnier. I like water, you know, and then find that place. You know, maybe a direct flight. Maybe I don't want to fly more than three hours and it's got to be nonstop, stuff like that.
0: Let's say we found an area, a city that we really like. Let's, like you said, mentioned Huntsville or Georgia, um, um, Atlanta might be good, but let's just say that we found one area. Could you break it down in a step-by-step? Like step one, you do this. Step two, you do this. Number step three, you do this. In order, would you be able to do that for us? All right, let's let's let's. So because
1: some things that have to happen before then. So you do have to get a little bit of training on it. Um, you can certainly you know scour my YouTube channel, blog, and, and read my book, which I which I highly recommend. It gives you a good insight into what it's like uh, to buy buildings like that. At one point, you have to invest in yourself a little bit, and uh, so that you know how to properly. Uh, communicate to brokers, right? So when I've identified my market, you then start cold calling brokers. Now we have this idea of what's called a throwaway market. Throwaway market is a market that you don't intend to buy anything in, but it's kind of your your playground where you practice on brokers and waste their time. So this, for example, if you are in LA, you call your local broker and you waste his time and you practice on him and you tour the properties, but you don't have any intent to buy. Not very nice, but very effective. Then you take that experience and you go to your actually target market because. When you call brokers, you want to use the right words, right? Use the right words. Like anything, If you play golf or you go sailing. There's a certain vocabulary. And if you don't use them in a right way, people know, they know, right? They're like, oh, it's a newbie. And they treat you differently than if you're using insider words, right? So you got to use insider insider words. And so you basically go to LoopNet and you, get a, you create a list of all these brokers. You simply start cold calling them and you build a relationship with them. What you want is you want to get some of their deals. You want to be put on their list. And then you got to stay in touch with them because oddly enough, brokers don't call you even when they have a deal. It's the darnest thing. They don't call you. You call them up two, three weeks later and like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it. I just listed a deal like yesterday. Well, why didn't you tell me about it? You idiot. You know? So you, it's your responsibility to stay in touch with them and don't be a nag, you know, maybe send them a useful report you, you, you saw or, or whatever. Give them some feedback on a listing they put out. You got to stay in touch with them be responsive. It's all about analyzing deals, analyzing deals, analyzing deals, and then generating a pipeline is really, really what it is. I mean, the bottom line, Dustin, is this. you got to stay consistent. And, and I think single family house investors understand this. People who have never invested in real estate don't understand that. They get into multifamily, for example, they, oh, I made, I made like three offers and crickets. I, obviously doesn't work. You know, like, you know, you're shaking your head going, oh, let me tell you, I'm a wholesaler. I don't you know. You know, let me tell you how many offers I made. Right. So it's a little bit of a numbers game. And you have to have consistency with these things. You know, you can't call one broker and get a deal. It doesn't work that way. Uh, and so, so you have to stick with it. It's kind of really mundane, actually. It's just simply analyzing deals and speaking with potential investors. That's it. Once you've gotten up to speed, you've built your team, you've got some education, you've got your market. At that point, it comes kind of tedious, if you will. And, and some people just, uh, you know, they kind of fall away because it's a little boring. To do the same thing over and over again because we all love, really, we're like adrenaline junkies. Uh, But the people who stick with it every single day, every single week, they start building a pipeline, do a deal, do another, do another, and all of a sudden, not only do they quit their job, but they're building multi-million-dollar business.
0: I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about passive investing. If somebody has a little bit of extra money and they want to invest in a syndication, they don't want to go through all the work. In fact, they're like, you know, I'm a doctor, I got plenty of money, but not. Time, I can't learn this. I don't want to be doing all that sort of stuff. I'm gonna give it to somebody else. Is there anything that we need to know? Like, do we just find the first syndicator that we can find and start giving them money, or is there something that we need to actually learn and go through?
1: The, the good news, bad news about uh, investing syndications is, as unlike the stock market, it requires a little bit of knowledge about the asset class because it's kind of a mystery. Now, I'd like to argue that most people who invest in the stock market don't really know what they're investing in either, because they call True. up their financial advisor, go, "Here's my money, go invest it. You know, take care of me." Well. They may or may not take care of you. And you know the, the average investor should probably know what their strategy is and what they're actually investing in, but they don't. Okay, so really, and as in the past investor, you should really know about the asset class you're investing in multifamily is no different. Now, the only difference is that, you know, there's not a million financial advisors out, there; there's a very small handful of operators. So you got to make it your business to network with operators. If you invest, if you pick the right team, everything else will take care of itself. So in other words, the market, the sub-market, the property, the management, all that stuff will take care of itself. All you got to do is find the right team. And most investors, you know, they might find, you don't need 10. You need like, most past investors, they'll, what they do is they'll invest with one and then maybe another, kind of like to try it out, right? They invest a minimum 50,000, whatever, 75, what it is. And then they kind of sit there and wait, and you know, they're like, "Oh my, I think I made a mistake, right?" And they kind of see what, see how they how the operator behaves, you know. And then they get their monthly report and they get a distribution. They're like, "Oh, okay, this, this pretty cool." Then they get their K one their tax document, you know. And they're like, they see a taxable loss on there. And like, man, it's pretty cool. I just, I made like eight grand and I got a taxable loss. This is pretty cool, right? And then they invest again and again and again and invest all their friends. Eventually, they'll take all their money out of the stock market because of the the advantages of that. So. I think uh, for passive investors, it's just a matter of, you know, researching the asset class a little bit. And you can do that, you know, with your show or with my show or reading a book and maybe attending an event, right? Just attending a single multifamily event and talking to a bunch of people. They're like, oh, this is pretty cool. They get a little more comfortable. You meet a bunch of operators, you set up some meetings afterward and you go, say, hey, I like so-and-so, you know, let me, let me try it. Let me try so-and-so. And that's how you get started.
0: That's great. Now, if, if we're thinking about doing that passive investing, is it smart to stick with one operator and you know another deal comes up and then another deal comes up or it was it smart to quote unquote diversify with other operators Like, what are your thoughts about that?
1: one to three right It depends a bit on how much money you have right if you' if your budget is fifty thousand dollars a year, well you know you probably you're probably gonna invest with one operator. If it works out, you're gonna invest yeah. again. If it doesn't work out, you're not going to invest with that operator. Again, you're going to invest with someone else. If you have a million dollars to deploy, you know, and you want to do it maybe in $200,000 chunks, you might you know, want to put it with five operators, right? depends a little bit on how much money you, have to, you deploy. And what typically when we, we operators strive is, is to have investors invest repeatedly with us and then write bigger and bigger checks, right? Because hopefully they realize that we're good operators. We do a good job. And so they want to invest more. But as a as a passive, you know, like I said, it depends on how much money you have to deploy. I mean, if you can, you don't need five or ten, but two or three might be good. Maybe different asset classes, you know, uh, maybe uh, I don't know, self storage and multifamily, or I mean, I love multifamily for a variety of different reasons. But there are other asset classes. You know, there's even oil, right? And and then there's precious metals, right? And and so. I think as an investor, especially in an environment like this, you gotta you gotta make sure you educate yourself. You gotta know a little bit what's what's coming, what's happening, you know what one thing in, in affects what inflation does to the stock market, what interest rates to the stock market. You gotta know that. You gotta make it your business a little bit because if you leave all your money in the stock market and we get a recession, well, guess what's going to happen to the stock market? Well, how can we have a recession? Well, these factors might play into it. And you have to know these things. you got to move your money around a little bit based on, on the market and what's going on right now.
0: So what do you think is going on with the market? Do you think we're in a bubble? Do you think everything's going to keep going up? Do you think it's going to correct? What are your thoughts about the next, let's say, a couple of years? So prices are going up
1: <clears throat> because of inflation. And uh, I think it I mean, it went up significantly last year, and I think it's not going to end. I think it's going to get worse. So inflation is going up. and What happens is, Inflation will drive rents up. Now, they also drive expenses up. So if you have an apartment building or it drives up both, but income is always higher than your expenses. Presumably, there's an income, right? So your, your, your top line income is lower than there. And if, it, if they increase at the same rate, they diverge, which means that your net operating income continues going up as inflation goes up. If your net operating goes, goes up, your net income, the value of the building will continue to go up. So inflation will drive up the value of buildings. Which is what we've been seeing. And so if inflation is going to persist, we're going to see rising prices of apartment buildings. To some extent, also rising residential home prices for the same exact reason. As inflation is driving up costs, wages follow. They don't follow. They, they, they're not in lockstep. They're behind a little bit. But people go, like, Oh my god, my expenses are going up better. Uh, you know, my I, I need to pay more in order to attract And so wages will increase with inflation, not to the same rate, but but trailing. So, I wages are going up, which means that as wages go up with inflation, they can afford ever increasing rents and mortgages. Now, the only complicating factor is interest rates, right? Interest rates, uh, we did some analysis on this. If interest rates go up at the same rate as inflation, the returns on apartment buildings stay exactly the same, okay? But they're not going to go up in the same place because inflation is already at 10%. Right now, our interest is still a quarter point above zero because of that, that one single interest rate hike. So it's it's not even anywhere close to doing anything about inflation. Now, the Fed has threatened to do like 10 interest rate hikes, which is like a two and a half percent. Ridiculous. When you have 10% inflation, you raise it. In the early 80s, when we had this kind of inflation, they raised it up to 16%. to get inflation out that. of control. And now they're threatening with two and a half percent. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to do anything about inflation. Okay. But Having having said that, as they raise interest rates, okay, rising interest rates is going to create a recession in this this country because our country is built on credit, right? If the credit gets more expensive, I can't buy that house. I can't buy the car, right? I can't make that business expense. I can't buy my own stock back. I can't, I can't, I can't. Now, if I can't anymore, I'm going to have to lay off people, right? So as interest rates go up, and they have to raise interest rates, but not enough to do anything about inflation. So what's going to happen, unfortunately, is we're going to have high inflation and a recession. And that's going to create a massive problem in the stock market specifically, which is why I'm calling out. We have a problem in the stock market right now, and you're seeing it already. We're seeing it already. So therefore, you have to look at real assets. Okay, In an environment where inflation is high, you have to look at real assets. Real assets is... is uh, you know, is um, apartment buildings, real estate, you know, gold, anything, bullets—I don't care—something that has exactly. inherent, yeah, and something that has inherent value. Where you know, you know, I buy, I buy a house for hundred thousand dollars. Well, the same house is going to be now hundred twenty thousand dollars just because the inflation has gone up. So, in other words, stock market is not going to serve as well because of the rising interest rate in, environment, and to some degree, inflation will eat away at the at the returns. Though I'm less concerned about that. Because inflation, if, if it were just inflation, the, the stock market would go up, which is what we've seen. But when interest rates went up, we saw that three weeks ago, that little hike. Oh, crap. Really go? And then there's a war, right? There's a war. We don't know that either. So you, you have to be a little sensitive to that. And uh, and this is why I'm just saying, you know, be a little cognizant as a passive investor. You get some money to invest. Um, just look at that. And, and I've talked to financial advisors, and they don't really know what to do because, they don't have any tools anymore. They can't say, oh yeah, let's get, let's put you in some real estate or some gold or whatever, because they don't know anything about that and they don't get paid commission on it. So therefore they're like, well, we'll just put you in bonds.
0: Michael, I, people are gonna definitely want to learn more about you, learn more about syndication. Everything. How can they find you online and definitely listen to your podcast? Tell us about how we can get a hold of you.
1: Yeah, uh, the podcast is called Financial Freedom with Real Estate. And there's a there's a quick link you can get to. It's themichaelblank.com forward slash show. It's the, because there's only one, and Blanc is B-L-A-N-K. So themichaelblank.com forward slash show will get you, it'll open up your app that you're using right now and get you right to our show. Where you can start listening. And then we have a bunch of free resources and what we call our Freedom Vault. So if you want to learn how to raise money, we have a free ebook on that. If you want to learn how to passively invest, we have an FAQ on that. Uh, and that is the Freedom Vault. And that's at themichaelblank.com forward slash Dustin, just for you, Dustin, D-O-S-T-I-N. That way I can track if anyone comes from your podcast. That would be good to know. So if you guys want to check out that, that's in the Freedom Vault. And that's uh, two great ways to get started and see if that's something you you might want to consider.
0: Fantastic. And I'll be honest, I bought your... Um, analyzer, your apartment complex analyzer. It was like, like four years ago. And I, I bought it then. And then, you know, every time you put out update, I download it. I still haven't done anything with it, but I make sure I have it because I need good tools whenever I would do it.
1: That's awesome. Well, it's been great ha- uh, being on the show, Dustin. Thanks so much.
0: And that is it for today. Go ahead and get my free real estate investing course, text the word rental the 33777. R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. You can also join my Real Estate Wealth Builders group coaching, get all my courses. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next show. See ya.